My ideal data product team would be a bunch of curious minds who are excited about change, who love innovation, and knows there are more than one way of solving a problem. Hi folks, you're listening to HashMap on Tap. Welcome and thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Kelly Koleffel and I'm really pleased to be joined today by Jyoti Pathak. Jyoti leads the data engineering and analytics organization at TD Cynics, where they are accelerating digital transformation and AI enablement with a very modern approach to their digital data strategy, led by their design and implementation of the cloud data platform, which we're going to get into. Jyoti, thank you so much for joining the show today. Welcome in. And most importantly, what are you drinking this afternoon? Thank you so much, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be on the show. And I'm drinking, it's Friday afternoon, uh, yeah. almost evening. And I love to drink my favorite white wine, which is a variety of Pinot Grigio. Oh, I, I love it. Now, do you, do you go red and white? Or do you predominantly stick with the white wines? I stick with the white wines. Yeah. Red wines yeah. tend to give me headache. Yeah. So white is my calling. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of white wine as well. In fact, today I've got, it's actually a barrel age Pinot Gris, 2015 out of the uh, Willamette Valley in, in Oregon. So I'm going to enjoy that during the show. My favorite white wines though, come out of Spain. I love Verdejo and I love Albarino. Both of those, very low price, very low price, very reasonable, but tremendous, very nice, dry, like the ones that we're drinking uh, this this evening. So Perfect. I'm going to go try one of those. Yeah. <laughs> they're really good. Pretty, pretty available, too. So, uh, yeah. No, very nice. Well, let's enjoy those during the show. And why don't we get things kicked off? Talk a little bit, Jyoti, about your background and how you got into technology in general. Okay. So, just really quick, my background. I did my undergrad in maths and statistics. I wanted to do something in operational research and uh, related to that area. Then I went to my master for to do my master's in information science and technology. And that's where I got exposed to various data warehousing and supply chain type of courses mm -hmm. related to analytics, machine learning, et cetera. And that led my interest towards a career in data and analytics. It, it just happened. You know, I was, I was not tied to, you know, making a career here. It just, it just happened while I was studying and I, I got interested. Well, it's, it's interesting. Every time you see another wave take over in this data space, mm -hmm. you, you, you almost think to yourself, hmm, that must be, that must be it. That, that, that's kind of going to be the thing that we go with. But in your career, you've probably seen at least maybe a wave, wave and a half, wave and, wave and three quarters. I, I think I'm so old, I've seen about four or five waves in the data space, but it just seems like there's always something new that comes out. You go, wow, that's revolutionizing what we're doing. Yep, exactly. Started with like data warehousing, simple data warehousing, then started with like high performance data warehousing, high mm -hmm. performance data platforms, then cloud came in, then, you know, something like Snowflake came in. Um, so yeah, there's different waves and, and there's different waves of use cases too. Started with just give me my reports, my numbers. Yeah. Now, you know, prescriptive, predictive insights, and now all, all AI. Yeah. And I think a lot of just, we, 
talk to so many folks that they go, I've, I've got this backlog of data products. Yeah. And, you know, it's it can be reports, like you said, it could be new machine learning or AI type yeah. applications. It could be new uses of data. And it just seems to be growing and growing. No matter, like the technology is, we're able to do so much more with it, but there's so much more demand within mm-hmm. our organizations too. Yeah, it's, it's hard to keep up with the demand. Yeah. Uh, it's exploding. So... On that, on that note, what has been going on within your organization, kind of at a high level, and da- talk, you know, data, cloud, platforms, uh, with, let's just say within the last 12 months or so, what are, what are you seeing? What are the changes? Where are you going? Where's the vision? So in last 12 months, I would say uh, there is an accelerated demand for cloud data platform, which is agile, which is high-performing, unlimited capacity, unlimited elasticity. So that has grown a lot. The appetite has grown a lot. Every other data product that we are building, we are building on the cloud data platform. We are looking for ways where we can uh, migrate our older data products like reporting engine or or any other related solutions onto the cloud cloud data platform. Mm -hmm. And how do we get out of or retire our uh, legacy you know, non-cloud data warehouses. So that's where we are heading to. When we look at the market right now, we've got probably five cloud data platforms that we get asked, that HashMap anyway, we get asked about a lot. It's Snowflake number one. Then you've got, you know, the three major public clouds. You've got BigQuery, you got Redshift, you got uh, Azure Synapse, you have Databricks out there. Any one of those really stand out to you as sort of, hey, this is where we're going to sort of, better future on for the next foreseeable and that's going to be our foundation yeah so we did a a review a couple of years ago when we embarked our our journey for the data cloud cloud data platform we did a comparison for our use cases our use cases where uh, hey is it does it allow us to be experiment experimentation type of use cases does it is it portable is it cost effective is it secure and in that research or comparison, Snowflake kind of like stood out for us, mm. checking most of the checkboxes. And that's where we decided to move on to Snowflake and use it as our cloud data platform and to build all our high value uh, machine learning models or any, any type of possible AI type of solutions on Snowflake. Well, you mentioned something really interesting to me. You talked about a platform where you could experiment, you could do experimental types of yeah. of things. And, and I think so often, especially when we've moved, let's say, from an on-premise environment to a consumption-based model in the cloud, you go, your, your first thought is, how do I contain my cost? Now, you're talking about really the other, certainly everybody wants to contain costs, but you're talking about the other end of the spectrum. How is this going to give me more ability to experiment, try things out, have that upward scalability that that maybe you need in, in certain yeah. situations? Yeah, it all started with, you know, a couple of years ago, the data science scientists in my team came to us and said, hey, where do we, where do we run our experimentation? Because, you know, when you look at data scientists, they are scientists. They need to run their experimentation. They need the trial and error. And clearly the existing solution where we're not giving them that platform, 
And that's one of the use case that Snowflake stood out for us mm. as, as the solution where, you know, we have built a data science innovation lab. It is nothing but a tier in Snowflake, like one of the call it a lab tier. And in that data science innovation lab, we have given our data scientists uh, that capability where they can experiment, they can act as that real data scientist and play around with the data, with the model, without being fearful of breaking any production process or a production mm -hmm. platform. And definitely uh, funding or, or keeping the cost of that data science innovation lab is, is something we look closely at. Uh, for that, we have a lot of cost uh, management uh, dashboards that we have built in. And take it from this perspective. The platform doesn't need to be up and running, you know, 24 by 7, 365. It's only when one data scientist or a couple of data scientists or that, you know, particular team of data scientists are going to be using it for their activities. So that's where, you know, having it up uh, when in need and then having it not running when not in, in use is where, you know, uh, we are able to manage that cost, which is kind of like a very, most of the time, you know, folks are very worried about the high cost of a cloud data platform. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, let me ask you, because I, I love what you're describing where I, I think on any cloud platform, any consumption-based model, SaaS-based model, you certainly can waste money. Do you feel like so far with your experience with, and I'll, I'll just, I won't, you know, we won't point to any one platform, but in general, do you feel like you're kind of about what you expected from a costing perspective? Is it, is it less than what you, is it more? I mean, what's, what's the general sense? Because you talked about having this experimental kind of upside capability to use more compute when I need to, but also you've got a nice cost model there. Is it, is it about what you expected when you went in a couple of years ago? Yes, it's about okay. what we expected. When we started on this journey, we did lots of lots of you know customer calls peer calls we wanted mm -hmm. to understand what what are the challenges of other organizations and other teams who have embarked on this journey before us so we wanted to learn and learn from you know their challenges and then we wanted to build processes to overcome those challenges so what we mm -hmm. did is when we put together the data cloud platform or the data science innovation lab platform we just didn't go and started it. We put together the process. We put together the roles. We put together the necessary monitoring, etc., in place. And that's where we, we started the whole thing. Even though like today, whenever we have a global data science community, uh, what that global data science community does, it onboards a data scientist. Uh, when we onboard a data scientist, uh, we walk through the processes, we walk through how to use it, we walk through what to look for and and why we are going to be having this monitoring and why not so that, you know, people are aware and they know every good thing comes with a cost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And that helps us keep the cost down or, or at a manageable uh, level. Well, it sounds like you're, you know, you're, you're leveraging Snowflake, certainly for multiple workloads. You've got data warehousing workloads, mm -hmm. data science workloads, mm -hmm. data engineering. And it, it almost sounds like you were, even maybe before Snowflake was promoting multi-workload, you, you guys were kind of on the forefront, uh, really pushing the limits. Hey, let's, 
looks like it could work really well for this. Let's try it out. Yeah, yeah. We almost use all the workloads for a data cloud, data warehousing, data lake, data engineering. We have data distribution or exchange processes and data science, as I mentioned. There are multi-use cases running Mm -hmm. at at that platform and having a a separate computing and the elasticity is, is really giving us that edge. That's a key. I, I just don't think you can do it without having that virtual warehousing capability and those, as you said, kind of that separate elasticity based on each individual warehouse. Yeah. Are, are, Jesse, are, are you guys, you, you mentioned data exchange. Are you using, uh, you're doing some data sharing today or data exchange with some of your trading partners or customers or yeah. any, any comments there? Yeah, we, we are in the process of rolling out our, our very first data as a service uh, solution in a couple of weeks. And the appetite for data as a service is growing. So yeah. we are working with you know many of our other partners. We are in a, a review phase with them to put together this solution. And in near future, that's one of the things I'm looking forward. If I have to just do one thing, I want to do that one thing for next couple of months or a year and, and bring all our partners onto this data sharing platform. You know, I, I was thinking back, I usually ask a question because... I've been I've been in this tech industry so long. Uh, even back in the '90s, we used Tech Data with a, a firm that I was with. We bought all of our hardware and software through Tech Data, and I guess I just I literally, apology. I I think I just skipped over. You know, maybe let folks know what does Tech Data Synex do today. I I just even mentioned that because it's it's just like part of my tech DNA. I know exactly what you guys do, but what do you guys do is to put this a little bit in context because we're talking about data shares and data warehouses and data lakes and data science. What does TD Synex do? Yeah. So TD Synex is a leading distributor and solutions aggregator for the IT ecosystem. We are one of the largest uh, distributor uh, distributor in the world. We are an innovative partner that helps our customers maximize the value of IT investments, demonstrate business outcomes, and unlock growth opportunities. So you you know, you think about any electronic product and you think about any of the component in that product, we are distributor of that component and that product. Yeah, when when previous firm I was with years ago would would leverage tech data, it would be Literally for anything. I mean, I could get a Cisco router. I could get a server. I could get any software product, it seems like, in the world. I get my Microsoft licensing. I get literally anything. I get the catalog. I don't, product wise, you guys must have just thousands of products today. Millions. Millions of products. Millions and millions. And solutions too, because we aggregate solutions as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with with all of the with all the product and pricing challenges that you have, I'm sure the uh, the the analytics team stays really busy. Talk to me quickly, and you don't have to, no no issues on mentioning exact sources, but I'd really be curious. How do you characterize if you said, "Hey, scale of zero is my ETL data integration environment. ELT, uh, ELT is 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 really simple, and ten being really complex." How do you, how do you rate yours and and why so you know you as you were saying like thousands hundreds millions of products and sources and we are a global company you know offices in more than 140 countries across the globe it's 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 a challenge so 
from ELT or ETL perspective, the extract and load has not been a challenge for us because we try to simplify it, our extract and load as because, you know, we have a data lake and we try to just bring it as it is, as a raw format and just throw it in, in our data lake, uh, all the, you know, data points. But transformation is where, you know, I would say on a scale of five to nine, it depends on the, you know, yeah. uh, what what data solutions we are talking about. Because, you know, you, you are talking about uh, matching customer data to vendor data to, you know, consumption data to, you know, what's happening in supply chain, what's happening in the world and and how's the market performing. So that analytics is pretty, you know, complicated. And that's mm-hmm. where the whole, you know, when we work on the modeling and when we are doing the transformation to supply the data to a use case or to for a data product or for an application, that's where the whole complexity lies. Okay. Okay. How do you, when you, when you say, Hey, let's add something to our landscape, whether it be an approach, whether it be a model, whether it be a technology or tool, how do do you, how do you think about you and your team sort of making that decision to add maybe another level of complexity? How much do you balance that out against, you know, specific ROI business use case versus that that's immediate versus maybe something that's down the road just kind of curious on on how you how you think about that it's kind of like a mix of a lot of things so sometimes we have to we have to hurry up because we don't have a lot of time to market ramp time right we have to hurry up and deliver it fast at that time no question asked because you know if business needs it we have to deliver it but uh, the balance is that okay hey we will deliver the solution at lightning speed but we need we will make sure that security is the first thing like data security Mm. compliance is the first thing we have to we cannot compromise on that that's the first thing that we we look at and make sure it's the guidelines are followed after that say if we have delivered something with lightning fast we make sure that we have another team who is actually working in the background to to create a parallel solution to make that more you know sustainable and scalable so that when once you know we go live with this lightning fast solution we can then cut over <laughs> and mm-hmm. go live onto this more sustainable and scalable solution in the background so yeah. it's again it's de- it depends on the use case and ROI hey if if we are going to win a 100 million dollar contract somewhere and it's 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 creating you know profit for our organization then yes you know to support mm-hmm. it all for it yeah yeah. And, and it sounds like you're almost that, call it the development cycle for new data products really mm-hmm. depends on the business scenario that you're, you're dealing with and, and what that, what that demands almost. What that demand is. Yeah. 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 How do you, what, or what do you do, I guess, Jyoti, to continue to align that data product delivery, those demands from the business with, you know, kind of the, the, the team goals that you have. I mean, we're, you know, there's whatever the time is in the day, you know, 24 hours total in the day, right? And, and I feel like everybody's under duress right now with a huge backlog of data products and data projects that the business needs. How, how do you kind of balance that out as you're, as you're going through the process, this need for speed with the business? But, you know, we, we want to kind of create a, um, you know, we, we, 
and there's there's limited people too, right? I mean, there's just not that much that everybody's under demand out there. So how do you balance those things out? We we continue to, you know, it's it's all it's it's a challenge as you yeah. mentioned. It's a challenge, but you know, we work pretty closely with our business stakeholders. Yeah. We have a forum uh, where we discuss everything what what is going on, what the solutions that we are delivering and we continue to balance as per the need. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, follow the, you know, sprint practice a lot. So, hey, you know, somebody needs this whole product, but tell me what is immediately needed and what we can deliver in the first sprint or second sprint, and then or we can continue to deliver, deliver it in iterative format. We follow a lot uh, of, you know, this method so that, you know, in time, the business organizations they and the users they receive what is really the pressing issue and what they really mm-hmm. need and in the time uh, we continue to work on you know other features and continue to add to it so we follow that that method a lot i, I love that i think that you know getting that business mvp out the door you're delivering yeah. something it's meaningful it's of value add additional features on as you go yeah. that you know would be certainly nice to have right out of the gate, but at least you're able to do do some things with that initial uh, data product, which I, I love that approach. Yeah, we call it, um, you know, minimum loved product. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'll, I'll have to uh, definitely minimum loved. I, I, uh, I'd had, I've mentioned a couple of times I had Oh, Boris Japez with the census on the program. And he talked about it in the context of a shed, a, building a shed, a house or a cathedral. And, you know, the, while the cathedral sounds really nice, really yeah. pretty, gorgeous, you know, many, many yeah. people coming in, you're never going to get people into the cathedral if you if, if it never gets finished. Right. So maybe start start with something that minimal loved product, as you said, and uh, and then go from there and add. What about, you talked about security being top of mind. I think it really is. And I think, you know, along with that, you look at usable and trusted data, trusted being secure data, but the, the usable side, data quality, data governance, I, I, you know, there's this just amalgamation of all these different things out there to try to get strong data governance, really good data quality, good data observability, visibility into what's going on. I mean, those are tough challenges to solve. I don't know that there's any particular answers, any any perspectives on that. So we take data governance and data reliability uh, really um, seriously. So we have a team in, in, in within our team, we have a team who manages the data architecture, compliance and governance. And uh, for any data product, this team works pretty closely with the data development team, the data engineers and um, the delivery engineers. And the design, when we when we finalize the design of any data product and the solution, this team actually sits in the review process. Mm. And from, from the beginning to the end, they are involved and they are the owners of making sure that the data governance is followed, the compliance is followed. Mm-hmm. You know, for data reliability type of solutions, we have um, SLA, SLOs defined. Um, so this team also makes sure that uh, we are adhering to those SLOs and and we have that metrics in place. No, that's really good. It, it you know, it's uh, data can sort of break, if you will, anywhere along the way. And I think to uh, uh, again get that get that trust out there when you're building those data products, the kind of things that you talked about are just absolutely critical. 
For the folks on your team, just kind of switch gears a little. By the way, how is your Pinot Grigio? <laughs> it's, Good. yeah, it's great. How about you? Yeah, my, mine is as well. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm debating, do I need to uh, to refill here? I've been enjoying listening to you uh, talk about all the cool stuff going on. Thank you so uh, much I, for making I may me comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I, may, I may add to my glass here in just a minute. So if you hear a little bit in the background, that's what it is. Let me ask you this, Jyoti. What do you look for? And I think you and I have talked about this offline too. What, what do you look for in a software engineer or, or data engineer or a new per, new technical person on your team? What are the what are the kind of qualities? What are the things that really stand out to you? You go, oh, this person would probably be a, a superstar on the team. The first thing we look for, you know, if this person has a learnability, right? It's, you know, the the area, our area, our data area is changing so fast. Today, you learn R, then you learn SQL, then you learn Python, then you learn, you know, I don't know what. Um, so so this person should have the knack for learning, right? Hey, yeah, yeah I'm ready to learn new things because we don't want folks who are like, hey, I only know one language and I'm going to build in that language and no. I'm not going to learn anything else. So learnability is one of the first thing that we look in in our data engineers. And all we want, all I want, like for me, I want folks in my team who are excited for innovative data solutions. So that excitement mm. brings more innovations. And that's where I look for, because, you know, you can teach anybody you know, any technologies that's like, go, go do some courses and you are an expert, uh -huh. but, you know, having the right mindset is all that is needed to be successful. Yeah. I love that. I love how you said excitement. I think that you're right. I mean, if you, if you've got a, a language down, you're, you're pretty proficient at it, probably you're going to be able to pick up something else. And I know when, you know, we talk to folks that maybe they know the back end or maybe they know data pipelining mm -hmm. or maybe even the front end. If, if you can sort of cross over each of those domains, you may not be mm -hmm. a, a nine out of 10 on every one of them. But if you've got pretty good proficiency, it becomes highly valuable to an organization. You can you can contribute in a lot of different ways. And uh, yeah, I, I love that aspect. You've got to have the tech, but that excitement factor is yeah. really important. And, and, you know, like data, data is a collection of you know information together right the same way um a data engineer is you know in any team doesn't work in silos they work together mm. yeah. and that excitement and that teamwork really matters for any successful data product absolutely absolutely and this this may be something maybe it's people maybe it's process maybe it's technology anything that you could characterize is just yeah, this is just something it just seems it's like it's always one of the most difficult things to do in your current role or it's something I it seems like we you know we constantly have to again people process technology anything that stands out to you there uh, I would say time I have mm. I have so many things in my pipeline <laughs> and you know the appetite for data product is so high uh, time is something, you know, if I wish I, if I can clone myself multiple times, because, you know, 24 hours a day is, is it's short for me because there are so much appetite, not from, you know, my customers or within my organization, but within myself too. You know, I want to do everything right now because the world is changing and there are so many exciting use cases waiting out there. 
Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you got to be careful with cloning yourself. I mean, there's an old old movie I think Michael Keaton starred in called Multiplicity that every time he cloned himself, it it, it, it worked for a little, but it was like a worse version and it just sort of degraded and degraded. And degraded. So, no, I love that. I, I think that, uh, yeah, maybe we'll be there one day. We could just Yeah, we may have to clone it. and then yeah. we have to upgrade that clone. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. Better OS or something. I'm not sure. All right. Here's here's a this is this is something I'm really interested. In. So you've got we're we're going into the last quarter of the calendar year, kind of looking at here and maybe three months out. Let's take a six month window. Where what is that one thing that you say, man? If we could solve that, what's that one problem that you'd like to focus on and and really try to get knocked out over the next couple of quarters? Yeah, not not a problem, but I would really love to focus on the data monetization piece a lot because oh. that's where the the next success I'm looking at. If I ever just have to focus on one thing and finish it, um, the data as a service or the data monetization piece that I wanted to you know expand more on. I, yeah, that's I love that idea. Do you feel like you've got some trading partners or customers or, uh, you know, kind of this maybe a small coalition of the willing that that you feel like you could work with to prototype this out potentially? Yes, we did prototype already with one one vendor, one partner. And there are like four other large partners in the pipeline. Oh, wow. And that's where, you know, I really want to take that up and 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 implement that solution with all those all those four partners because it will be really a big thing for us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What about as you, as you have been on this two, three year journey on kind of modernizing your your data platform and your and your data approach? Any any advice that you could give to someone that because honestly we talk to folks that are just starting out. I usually ask the question on you know scale of zero to ten, where are you in your journey? And, and you would you wouldn't believe I get I do get a lot of folks that say I'm kind of a, a zero, maybe a 0.5 or a one. We're just starting. We want to get there. We have a huge vision, but we're just starting. Any advice you could give to someone that's just starting out modernizing their data platform? I would say go for it. Even like how we started it, we did a POC platform. So go for it. Start with yeah. the POC make calls to your peers, make calls to, you know, other organizations who have embarked on that journey, talk to partners, talk to uh, vendors out there, learn from their best practices or learn from their worst experiences and, you know, incorporate those, those in your planning and just jump in it. It's, it's the next big thing already happening. Yeah, I think you're right. And and I think for those of us that have been around for a while, I think none of us are too bashful about saying we've all made our share of mistakes mm -hmm. along the along in this data game along yeah. the way. We've yeah. we've probably all tried to do it the hard way. Maybe we almost had to do it the hard way because of the technologies available at the time. I I've, I'm not going to go into this. I, a couple of stories stand out to me. I've probably recounted on the podcast before, but I, I just I look back even say 10 or 12 years ago, what in the world was I doing? How could I have possibly thought that was a good idea? <laughs> you know? And uh, I think that you're right. Use the community. I think the, the cool thing about this data space is uh, there's a lot of folks looking to share ideas, thoughts, perspectives, just like you're doing today. What's worked? What hasn't worked? What's the right path that you should go down and, and, and recommend? And look, 
it may change again tomorrow, right? There may be the next best thing out there. You go, oh, I've got to rethink things, but uh, certainly we can all learn from each other. Yeah, it's it's definitely not the thing that's going to stay for 10 years. It's going to change because that's yeah. what is happening. Uh, but with the change, you know, you get to adopt new platform so new who knows you know next two years what's the next coming up maybe uh you just think about a data it gets transformed on its own (laughs) and then it gets presented to the application yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely we've got multiplicity duplicity and in our in our data and it just yeah yeah, kind of like we were talking about the globe hey how are you you know all kind of how how do you spend your time outside of work these days oh since pandemic, you know, hit, we all are like kind of like locked down in our home. Now it's all easing up. Uh, for me, you know, I'm a I'm a big community person, so I love to spend my time doing volunteering in the community. I run I'm, I run some of the you know I'm engaged in and I, I lead some of the local communities here, and that's where you know I I end up spending most of my time you know, besides my family. So first yeah. family and my yeah. kid and then uh, my parents and my community. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a lot more energy than I do. I think if you ask me that question, I say, I just passed out in my backyard <laughs> because I'm so tired from <laughs> the week that I just went through. So no, that's, that's awesome. That's uh, the hidden pleasure. <laughs> that's right. Hey, if you were not in this uh, high tech area, what do you what do you think you might enjoy? What do you think you might be doing? I would be I would be a teacher because uh, I love teaching. That's my calling. I, no. you know, even um, some of my past time, I in the past, I right now I don't get the time, but I used to teach lots of because I have maths and statistics background, so I used to teach. I volunteer uh, and teach maths and mm-hmm. SAT test practices, oh. etc. cetera. So uh, teaching is something, you know, um, that's my calling any day. Have you ever had a student that came back and got the 1600 on the, I don't, maybe that's not the, the, the top score anymore, but have you had, Hey, got a, uh, Jyoti or, or, you know, Ms. Pot- I got it. I got a perfect score. Have you ever had that one? Uh, no, not like that. Yeah. But, uh, okay. but I did, uh, I did, uh, I took up a, a volunteering position in a, in a facility back in uh, Boston to teach, um, you know, some, some kids, a high school, high school level mm-hmm. kids um, who have challenges. And uh, I can tell you, um, I taught them for um, the whole one year at the end of the year, I wasn't able to continue it because it was getting, you know, too much. I was getting busy with my family, etc. And the principal, she came to me and she said that I wish you can continue because all these kids uh, were not even looking forward to pass this standardized test, but they passed that math standardized test for high school just because of your teaching. So I wish you can come back and stay in this in this role for, you know, next couple of years. Um, I still, you know, I still feel, you know, hey, I would have continued, but, you know, my kid was just born at that time and, and you yeah. know, work, kid, family, yeah. I wasn't able to, you know, manage everything. Uh, but yeah. that's where, you know, I, I always remember that comment. That's uh, such an incredible endorsement too. So, well, well, hopefully the, those, uh, those skills of the way that you kind of lead and teach and mentor and guide, you're passing it along to your son as well as you guys go down. I can't guarantee that because he's a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely know how it is. 
let me ask you this if would would you be interested in doing a very quick lightning round these are kind of layup questions have nothing really to do with well one of them might have to do with technology but uh any any interest in doing a lightning round let's do it all right all right here we go this one is technology so but this is a technology you cannot live without in your current role internet if the internet is not there, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh man, and you're you're are you, you're in Tempe, aren't you? Tempe, yeah. Arizona. Yeah. Okay. I'm, no, I am in Chandler, Arizona. It's uh, oh, Ch- next Chandler. town to okay. Tempe. Okay. So there's no. I mean, I'm I'm in the Houston area. We have you know the periodic hurricanes and tropical mm-hmm. storms that that come through and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, does does anything kind of knock your connectivity out uh, periodically there? No, the only thing that we watch for is called Haboob, which is like the sandstorm, um, like huge oh sandstorm uh, yeah. that we get during, you know, monsoon season. Nothing has knocked on my power or my connectivity. Yeah, yeah. no, you're in, a, you're in a pretty good spot. What about a go-to cook-at-home meal or takeout delivery meal that you and your family enjoy? Uh, takeout delivery meal, because if it's a go-to meal, mostly me and my husband cook together. But the takeout meal that I personally enjoy and my favorite always is Singapore street noodles. Mm. And I would I would imagine maybe that's something you probably don't cook at home. And so yes. that's yeah, that's that's kind of the same with me. Is that my favorite takeout is something that I'm not going to do at home. I can do that. Yeah, yeah, because it's too much to cook at home. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds good. I late in the evening or. Uh, or relatively yeah. early in the evening here. Yeah. It's making me hungry. Yeah. What about a favorite spot? Could be a leisure spot. Doesn't have to be food or anything, but a favorite spot in the Tempe area that uh, that you enjoy that you want to share with everybody. There is a you know small lake near Tempe. We mm. call it Tempe Town Lake. Uh, there's a there's a nice park, and you can do boating in the lake, or you can just you know walk along, and um, you can chill. Not in the summertime, but now, you know, when there's the weather is uh, cooler, fall is yeah. here and, and wintertime, it's 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 such a nice place to be. Yeah. And you don't normally associate necessarily lakes with Tempe, right? <laughs> yeah. There's lots yeah. of lakes in Arizona. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What do you do? What What's your go to, Jyoti, if you want to, you know, kind of put your phone to the side, put your laptop to the side and unplug from tech for a while? I am a water person, so mm. I love to take long walks by any water mm-hmm. element, like call it, be it lake, be it, you know, I don't have a beach uh, near to me. It's five hour, you know, drive from here, but yeah. I have lakes uh, around my, um, you know, home or close to my home. Yeah. So I love to take a walk without my phone and with my dogs. And that actually gives me a moment or some time to, yeah. um, you know, unwrap or, and, and, you know, just, just put my head, head through the whole day. And, you know, it's something I have been planning and I couldn't get to do. So it's all like my own thinking time. And yeah. I just want to be, you know, myself at, at that moment. Yeah. It's, it's so important to you get to decompress a little bit and yeah. just uh, re- relax your mind a little bit as yeah. well. I agree. What about last question? And I, I'll, I'll let you roll. Another company that you are watching closely right now could be in the data space or, or not, but another company you're watching closely right now. I'm watching all the crypto startups right now. Oh. Yeah. You know, there, there are uh, many coming up daily. Um, so I'm I'm watching that space. I'm not doing you know any mining yet, but that's that's something I have been. How much Sheep Coin do you own? 
<laughs> Zero. <laughs> 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 no, Josie. Hey, really, really appreciate great time. Really appreciate you joining the show today. Uh, a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly. It was pleasure to be talking to you and pleasure, pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll definitely keep up with everything that you're doing and everything, all the cool stuff you're doing around data uh, going forward here. And thanks everybody for listening in today. We appreciate everybody would encourage you to listen in to other podcasts and visit us at hashmapinc.com and send us any feedback or comments. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you soon on another episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to HashMap on tap. Be sure to subscribe for weekly new episodes and visit HashMap's Medium blog for new data and cloud technology perspectives. If you have any comments or suggestions for the podcast, please visit the HashMap ONTAP page on HashMap's website. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.